You're listening to a Score North podcast right now, and if you're a business owner, so are your customers. In fact, I could be talking about your business right now, telling the tens of thousands of loyal fans about you and sending them to your business. Find out how you can partner with your favorite Score North podcast. Visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. Fill out the form, and we'll get in touch with you quickly. Once Phil, Judd, Declan, or others start talking about your company, you'll be amazed at how many fans start showing up. So visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. Phil Mackey, Judd Zolgad. It's heard by well over 100 people. Mackey and Judd on 1500 ESPN. All right, so here's my last thing. Here, and I'm, I'm gonna, this is going to make things as clear as possible. And this addresses the Thielen play in Carolina and clears it up, and it makes it a touchdown, and okay. everyone is happy. What happened? Well, Carolina wouldn't be happy if that was a touchdown. What? Ha- well, no, but but it could come back to help them down down the road or in that same game. For all, all I recall, what happens in bounds counts. If you catch the ball and you come down with the ball and you have possession of the ball in bounds, and then you fall out of bounds, but you had possession in bounds. What happens in bounds is what counts. So if I go to the ground out of bounds and lose the ball, the, the Thielen play, he has control of that football. When he's in bounds, it's when he falls out of bounds. If you fall out of bounds, I don't care if your feet are down. So if you get upended and never come down in bounds and lose the ball, incompletion. But if I catch the ball, my feet hit inbound. So I'm in the field of play. And now I get hit. Even if you're falling? Yes. And now because my feet came down in bounds. Now, if I get hit and I fall out of bounds and I begin to juggle it then, I'm out of bounds. That's not part of the play. Okay. Therefore, it's a completion. So, since we're going down this path, this is why what you just said probably can't hold up. If you are, I'll go back to my Chris Carter example. If you're towing the sideline in the end zone mm-hmm. and you catch a pass at a 45-degree angle while you're falling to the ground, or hell, a 10-degree angle. Like, you're literally horizontal, but you're Chris Carter, and you've got stick all over your hands, and the ball hits your hand for a brief moment. You, you catch it, 45-degree uh-huh. angle. Uh-huh. And then as you hit the ground, the ball pops up in the air, and it and it goes out, you know, it lands on the ground. That can't be a catch. Are your feet, so your feet were in bounds as you caught the ball? In the end zone. But, if, but to what you're saying, like, you're you're the when the ball hits your hands, then boom, it's a touchdown. Do you did you have possession for a for a blink of an eye? How do you define that part? This is where I mean. I'm this defining is... that as a catch and a touchdown. You were in bounds. <laughs> your feet were in bounds. That's it ridiculous. Is... Go... You get a catch. Yeah. You get a catch. Go back. You get a catch. I, you get I, a catch. I, I, I urge you all to find the, the Thielen Oprah play. Referees. I, I urge you to find the Thielen play. He has possession of the ball in bounds, and therefore it's a catch. What happens out of bounds should not affect that catch. But you the... millennial. Everyone gets credit for everyone. <laughs> Everyone's a winner here in Judd Zolgan's football league. Well, that's the type of person I am. <laughs> I'm full of joy. Glass half full. Catch, catch, catch. That's what I bring to the show on a daily basis. But Judd, the Thielen, so the Thielen catch is is very similar to what I'm saying. Like he gets, he catches it in the end zone, or the ball hits his hands in the end zone for a second. It doesn't hit his hands. He's got possession. But well, possessions, the he's he got has control. Possession. He's got control according to the NFL rulebook, not possession, because possession doesn't happen. I just, he I survives the ground. I just cleared which it is up. God. I just cleared it up. Okay. <laughs> All uh, I here, do. Here's one from uh, Dr. Bits on Twitter. So as the rule stands now that they've gotten rid of the survive the ground nonsense, if Des Bryant 
if that catch happened the same way in the middle of the field instead of like you know shadowing the goal line, yep. and the ball kind of squirts loose as he goes because remember he reached out and the ball he hits he reaches out ball hits goal line squirts loose uh-huh. is that a fumble in the middle of the field? And it all depends on if the defender has touched you or not. Let's say the defender has not touched you. You're just wide open. And you go up and you make a leaping grab in the middle of the field and you're trying to reach for a first down or something as you come down. So you go one foot, two feet, and then your third step is a lunge as you put the ball out. The new rule makes that a catch because you're making a football move after controlling the ball and putting two feet on the ground, right? It's possession. Now, if no one's around you and it's established as a catch... And your secondary move, reaching the ball out, the ball squirts loose. That's a fumble, mm-hmm. right? It's people say, well, the ground the can't ball. cause a fumble, but the ground can't cause a fumble only if you're being tackled. It's it's possession, and therefore it's a fumble. Yes, but I'm fine with that. That's now, fine. If a defender, you're has, taking your chance. If a defender has touched you, then I believe ground can't cause fumble because you're being tackled you're technically, down. right? I don't know for sure. That's what that I'm saying, man. That Hello, sounds, all right, referees, you just make a decision. That sounds Was that correct. a fumble? I don't know. I don't like Let's this just, path you're going down. Uh, I don't like this. Chad is saying on uh, on Twitter here, so Judd is saying inbounds is Vegas, and what happens inbounds stays inbounds. Yes! That's exactly right! This is a league that has consistently begged for more offense for how many years now? Well, they're yes. getting it. I mean, they're yes. getting more this offense. Is, this is Vegas. That's a great, Chad, you said, that's a great comp, Chad. Yes. <laughs> And what happens out of bounds, nobody needs to know about or care about. Don't uh, concern yourself with the little things. I'm trying to find some of the other rules here. Oh, Johnny Manziel's been working out this morning. He's going to go play in the CFL now. If if there's no chance an NFL team gives him a look, I don't think this offseason. Like I, I make that guy go play in the CFL. If he if he just tipped his hand and said, "I'll go play in the CFL," if no NFL teams give me a chance, I say, "All right." Go stay clean in the CFL, and then we'll see if you can actually play football. Go do it on their dime, and then we'll sign you the next Doug Flutie if yeah. uh, if you're productive. Exactly. In fact, I believed it. Didn't I I have a write that down a year ago about that? Yes. I, I swore I, I had a CFL Manziel prediction. In fact, let me find it. I think the we both have old Johnny Manziel predictions here. Yep. The oldest one on the board, I believe, is yours. Because I have it labeled, I've got a spreadsheet with all of our predictions, and I have it labeled, it's in the 2015-16 section of our... All right. So I believe you made this prediction, like, in 2015, perhaps, and it was, here's the wording. You said Johnny Manziel will not be in the NFL for the start of the 2016 season, so you predicted this during the 15 season, mm-hmm. and that was part one of a parlay, and part two was he will play in the CFL next. So okay. you're going to cash in. Is so, like what would that be a home run? Yeah. I think that's a home run. Why not? Very specific yeah, multiple year uh, wait time. <laughs> Hasn't tripper. happened yet, John. Round tripper. Now I predicted that Johnny Manziel will star in a reality show before starting another game in the NFL. But he won't now because he's he's well, supposedly but, trying to be clean. Well, no, well, you have to be on drugs to be in a reality show. I think it helps. <laughs> Oh, there's no question. It, it helps. I love Judd Logic. Well, he's not going to be on a reality show because he's not doing drugs anymore. Right, it could but... help him. Mm-hmm. If whoever it is, HBO offers, hey, Johnny, to help with your uh, comeback, how about we have cameras follow you? The NFL teams will watch this. They'll see you're on the straight and narrow. They'll see you working out. They'll yeah. see you 24-7, have access to your life, and know that this is for real. Just, since we're getting, we're getting pretty close on these Johnny Manziel write-that-down predictions from like three years ago, you guys be the officials here. What constitutes a reality show? 
Like, if he gets one of those Tom Brady Facebook watch things where it's five episodes and it's just available on Facebook, Tom versus Time, mm-hmm. if we get, like, John versus Dealer or yeah, something. I think it's got to be, I, I guess my inter- I think that has to count. Well, it's a content platform. Going back to, to when you originally did the write that down, I assumed he would still be drunk and on drugs and, and end up on E or something. So I didn't think of it in the vein of it could be a comeback attempt. But yeah, it probably counts. It probably counts. Yeah. Like I thought I thought that you were talking about a housewives type of show, right? Where Johnny just runs around and, and he's just loaded the whole time and he's driving and it's a really bad idea. But yeah, I think if he's trying to come back and they they shoot something and air it on a network or on Facebook, it probably has to count. Well, does it? Would it the question is, would a documentary get me the point? It's a reality show, though. So, Documentaries yeah. are reality yeah. shows. I think anything that yeah, follows him to. around in daily life. Yeah. Okay. I mean, my, I think you can tell us when you originally made the prediction, you were probably thinking something like E. Hundred percent. Right? E or Bravo or something. Yeah, yeah. something you could like a Kardashian see. It would show. be you know your first choice. You'd be seeing it on your television. Yes, but not, hey, media has changed a lot in the last three years since that prediction was made on this show. As somebody who likes to make predictions and then try to weasel his way into correct uh, correct predictions when you guys weren't uh, thinking about all the possibilities that could go <laughs> along with it. Yeah, totally on board. Okay, sounds good. Yeah, <laughs> not surprised. Judd, any more thoughts on the catch rule before we get to Dave's question? No, let's here just next. go to questions. All right, I'm done. I fixed it. What do you got, Dave? I've got questions. <laughs> talk about all three about the catch rule. <laughs> No, not at all. Uh, Luther Brookdale Toyota doesn't give a rip about the catch rule. They just give a rip about giving you the best customer service, the best facility, the best cars. They've got all kinds of 2018s on the lot right now. Uh, I definitely have an affinity toward the Camry and the Corolla. I've been driving Camrys and Corollas for the majority of my driving life. By the way, I took my driver's test at the same place in Buffalo where that that poor gal like put it in drive instead of reverse and drove through the brick wall. That's the exact same place where someone gave me my driver's license. How'd you do? Slightly better than her, but not <laughs> as but not as much better as you would think. Uh, and it was a 1992 Toyota Camry that I drove for that driver's test. Parallel parked it like a boss and uh, did the backup thing. And that thing was serviced up to 290,000 miles by the fine folks at Luther Brookdale Toyota. Never drove it through a brick wall. None of that stuff. 694 on Brooklyn Boulevard. You can also snoop around the website and uh, check out the service specials and the uh, the specs on those 2018 miles at LutherBrookdaleToyota.com. Mackie and Judd are back. I've been waiting for this for a long time. On 1500 ESPN. Now on Mackie and John. Do you believe in past lives? Did we ever really land on the moon? Questions. What are the six degrees that separate you and Kevin Bacon? Of significant importance. All right, Dave's got some questions for us here. Yeah, Hopefully very nuanced questions about the NFL's catch rule. No, we're we're going back to the subject that we've gone on twice today to start the show and then a little vent line an hour later. Let's go T-Wolves. Now on Mackie and Judd. This chart makes it as clear as I can to you. The pie chart of blame. You want to blame somebody? It's very easy after a game last night to... Look at what happened to this team. See the coach half of the game talk about toughness and uh, wanting to have more fight and immediately just send out the tweet, fire Tibbs, he sucks, blah, 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 blah. Yeah. But 
I'm sorry. You played one of the worst teams in the NBA that just lost by 61 points. They're actively trying to lose. At least the management is. And there has to be blame put on the players on the floor. So set Tibbs aside. Carl Anthony Towns was 5 of 13 or something from the floor. As you've called him, Phil, one of the most efficient scorers in the NBA was was anything but last night. So set Tibbs aside. Throw the blame around to the guys on the floor. Oh. Um, Absolves well, the bench, basically. Yeah, I mean, like... <laughs> Good point. Okay, yeah, exactly. Maybe you can't send it aside, but for the purpose of this question, <laughs> we're doing it. All right. I would say that everyone shares some blame on the court. So, like, there's just going to be a baseline of blame that everyone shares, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give you the pie chart above that baseline, right? All right. So... Let's 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 you know what I'm just gonna go fifty fifty because Wiggins was actually not terrible last night. Wiggins he he was like seven of seven took him seventeen shots to get to eighteen points, but he grabbed a bunch of rebounds late and it's the nicest thing you've ever said. Yeah, by Wiggins standards, not terrible. Yeah. Sounds like wow. you're the start of the fan club right now, but not that far. But you're in. by Wiggins standards, it's okay, he wasn't you're, a total disaster. Is that a jersey you're wearing under your sweatshirt there? It is. That's uh, a little twenty two Wiggins. Got the bobblehead. Kansas vintage Kansas Wiggins jersey. Um, Carl Anthony Towns just, I don't know, he just looked frustrated and lost. There was, did you guys see toward the end of the game with like a minute to go? Or like, might have been less than that. It was like 30 seconds to go. And he was grabbing the arm of Marc Gasol, like holding Marc Gasol's hand while Gasol was trying to pull it yeah, away. they wouldn't call On it. a screen. And yeah. and they called the foul, obviously, because like you're trying to... Oh, they did call that, okay. Yes, like it was a huge call that, that put... The, the shot clock back at 14. Mm-hmm. And Jim Peterson, rightfully so, was like, what is he doing? He's grabbing Marcus Gasol's arm in front of the it's, officials. It's it's because, I, I know partially why, um, Gasol was grabbing him and they didn't call it. He he was not mad. On, not on that particular play, though. He was just grabbing Marcus Gasol's hand. No, but I'm saying at the other end of the floor, Gasol had grabbed him like twice and they didn't call it. And well, he gets he gets frustrated with refs way too yeah, easily. That's probably a spot to exercise some emotional intelligence mm-hmm. and restraint mm-hmm. and don't lash out. So uh, I'm going to say I'm going to say 50 percent to Carl Anthony Towns and Nemanja Bielitsa gets the other 50 percent for me. 0 for five from the field in 22 minutes. He did not score a point in the game and was really just a non-factor on both ends of the court. And Jamal Crawford wound up playing 30 minutes, went 3 of 12, but that's, I mean, he's just going to get out there and shoot if you give him 30 minutes. So I would say if Towns and Bielitsa had pulled their you-know-whats out of their heads out of their you-know-whats, then the Wolves would have won that game. 50-50. You Are you still doing math or what? Yeah, I'm splitting my pie chart, chart up way more than you did. One, two, three, four. I got five five pieces of pie to give out here, Dave Harrigan. 60% to Cat. Come on, man. you got to do more. Cat. You are this team star player, and you're playing, once again, Memphis. You're not playing Golden State. You're not playing Houston. 60%. That was disappointing. Uh, 20% belly. 0 for 5 from the field. No points. Um, a minus 18 for the game. You're starting now. You've played some really good games. You're playing Memphis again. 20% to belly. 10% to Jamal Crawford. Who I love, but God bless him. When he gets that ball, he's going to shoot that ball. And that's fine if you're making it. But he was uh, 3 for 12 from the uh, floor last night, 3 for 8 on three-pointers, 10 points. Not enough, 10% to him. And then 5% I'm going to split between Wiggy, because he is him, himself. He just deserves some blame. And Gorgie. 
And Gorgie, Gorgie, three of seven from the, th- the field. And I told Phil, well, that's not terrible. And I told Phil before though, it feel it feels like that shot that that he would consistently hit does not not go as much for him. And I don't know that could be based partially on playing time too. But I'm going to split the five percent. So the last ten percent between Wiggy and Gorgie. Well, here's one for you on Gorgie. All right, so they the Wolves get beat. Uh, they actually did out rebound Memphis, but Gorgie was out there for 14 minutes and didn't grab a rebound. Correct. You're like seven feet tall. If you're in a basketball game for 14 minutes and you can't stumble into a rebound, that's pretty bad. So could they have could they have had even more of an edge rebounding if Gorgie Jang, who is a tree, you know, if he would have done more? Oh. Guess we'll never know. It's that time of year where ballparks come out with all the brand new wacky food items of the year. And I always love to go through these and see what people, uh, creative people are coming up with nowadays. And they've got a new one down in Arlington, Texas, home of the Rangers. They call it the Dilly Dog. Hmm. It is a hot dog that is stuffed inside of a hollowed out dill pickle. And then the whole thing is coated in some sort of corn dog, prano puppy kind of batter, deep fried. And there you go. There is your dilly dog. That seems like a lot of work to get the dog inside. So you have to hollow out the pickle. Correct. Put the dog in the pickle. You got it. Do you cook the dog before it goes in the pickle, or is it all cooked at the same time? uh, You get the pre-cooked hot dog, yeah. And And then you you wrap it, you're coated up, deep fry it so everything's warm and gooey. Hmm. Sounds absolutely filthy. You could also disgusting. you could you could get the cheese infused dogs so that there's cheese in the dog that's in the pickle that's inside the it's bread. It's already gross enough, Phil. We don't need to yeah. Thanks make a lot, it worse. Phil. Okay. My question to you is simply if you're running a ballpark, if you're running a club, if you're running the food enterprise at that stadium, yep. give me two foods that normally wouldn't go together that you're gonna slap together on your brand wow. new food item for the twenty eighteen season. Wow. I got to think about this. You know, um, Pizza Hut did the, was it Pizza Hut that did yes. the hot dog? <laughs> Just assume Pizza Hut did crust. it, yes. Yeah, that's good enough. They Probably did. Just, yeah, they like Hut, made whatever. a full pizza, and then right. instead of stuffing the crust with cheese, they stuffed the crust <laughs> with okay. hot, with just a hot dog. <laughs> hot dogs. Okay. So was each piece, was it just one big long string of hot dog that they wrapped around, or was it like individual hot dogs? I think it I never was had one little of individual, you know, kind of like the smoky deals maybe, but I... <laughs> I, I didn't go so far as to actually oh get my one uh, myself. God. You know what I would do? I'll steal one from Judd here. I'll give you give you some time to think here. Um, I would... Uh, I like chili. And I also like... I'll eat a corn dog. Has anyone ever put, like, the chili? We've done the hot dish on a stick. Has anyone ever done chili on a stick? And maybe... Or, or here's one. What if it's, like, French onion soup on a stick? And so it's kind of like it's like a thicker French onion soup, but it's inside the breading. With, and there's like a layer of cheese kind of in there, too. No? Okay. <laughs> I'll show myself. Oh, no. <laughs> Take one bite in this piping hot oh, French shut. onion soup. is just dribbling nope. down your chin yeah, on your okay, lap. That's fair enough. Okay. <laughs> All right, Thanks a lot for coming to Bat and Barrel. But g- gave it a run. You can leave now. <laughs> that's why you're not running the uh, no, I don't, food standard ball club. Sorry. Okay. Judd, anything? Yeah, I've got two ideas of both involve <laughs> hot dogs and or bratwurst. The taco hot dog or bratwurst, instead of a bun, you, you put the hot dog or brat in the taco and then the taco, taco fixings on that. 
Wait. So instead of uh, so instead of the meat in, in the taco, the the standard meat, would you chop up the hot dog? I don't think so. No, I think I would slide it right in there. Oh God! I think I would slide the brat or hot dog right into the taco, and then I would put the fixins right on there. What kind of fixins, Judd? Sour cream? Well, you could do that. You could do uh, a little tomato. You could do whatever you want. The bratwurst taco. What's your other one? Nachos with a bratwurst or hot dog sliced up and put in with them. So it's cheese, nachos, and then the meat right in there, right in the helmet. Those are my two ideas. I actually like your first idea a lot if you chop up the brat. Okay, that's I fine. I think that sounds like it could be very good. A bratco. The... It'd be called a bratco. I'm open to that. Sure. I tweak it for that, sure. Or taco worst or yeah, something. Yeah, change your regular yeah. you know, taco, taco you know, beef meat to actually, you know, the Kamarchuk's brat or something. Yeah, I could get I with, could that. Go with that. that. Yeah, yeah. There you go. All right, that was a disturbing description of that uh, particular ballpark Let's food put it item, right in but there. that's good. Let's go to the final question of the day. You guys, oh gosh, it was just over a week ago or so that the schism began between this show and the ride with Royce, Pat Royce down in Florida at the time. He's back here up north. And frankly, I think you guys have gone completely spineless on a schism that you claimed was going to last for a long time and be very heated on both sides. Judd, on I drove him to the Sunday, hockey game on Sunday. Drove so. Patrick. Yeah, you picked him up in your own vehicle, yeah. drove him to the X and back home. Driving Mr. Royce, yeah. And Pat reported to me yesterday that he bought off Phil with a simple slice of pizza it was in the me- cafeteria downstairs. It was downstairs. meatball pizza, and it was magnificent. Yeah. Ooh, that sounds good. It was really good. So, tell me, is the schism completely over? Have you gone completely spineless on Patrick and forgiven him, or are you going to find a way to carry on? I, for me, the schism is over, and uh, the, the schism. W- was I not, didn't get anything out of this, by the well, way. Wait, wait, wait! But the schism was not ours to own. No, he. he it was like he was trying to force a feud on us. Yeah. We While told, Kirk Cousins was signing with the well, Vikings, he wanted to talk about Lance Lynn, and we're like, dude, what, we can talk about Lance Lynn for six months. What Pat doesn't know that you didn't pass on that day was, he said, "I can't go on after noon," and we and we had said to you, twelve forty-five works perfect," and you said. Well, since he said noon, I'm not going to respond to that part of it. So he didn't. He didn't know that, that we actually were more than willing to avoid the schism by creating room at the end of the show. But the schism's not ours to own. We were victims. Yeah. Here's the thing. So he's the, he's the aggressor in the schism. I think it was because he was bored his last two weeks in Florida. Because let's be honest, like you're watching baseball practice for six or seven weeks, and you. Get a bit loopy. Maybe you're, I don't know, maybe you're just, maybe he's been in the sun too long or something. He shows up to the building, and the first thing he does, instead of avoiding me or chiding me in some way, is offer me pizza. Okay. I think it was his way of ending the schism. It was long-distance schism. Now we're all in the same studio together, and we'd love to have him on at some point to talk about Trevor Simeon, the Vikings' new backup quarterback. (laughs) Get his thoughts on that. Get his thoughts on who the Vikings might draft in the uh, later portions oh, of the absolutely. first round. I'm sure he cares. Yeah. I'm sure he cares greatly. Um, so we keep our Twins predictions going when we come yes. back here? Yes, we still have five Got more left. a few left. more preseason Twins awards to hand out, and we can get back into some more depressing Wolves conversation, too. Mackie and Judd from the TCL Broadcast Studios. Phil Mackey. He looks like he's in eighth grade, first of all. He does. If you stand by that guy, he is a midget. He is a little guy. Judd Zolgad. I consider him my protege. <laughs> right.
<laughs> Mackie and Judd on 1500 ESPN. Round one of our preseason twins awards. A great suggestion by Dave Harrigan. The Diamond Awards are such a wildly popular event every year. We were hoping maybe we can get televised on uh, FSN if we if we labeled our awards after over former over twins players and over again. Right, they'll show it eighty seven times. So we've already given out our Kirby Puckett Team on My Back award for uh, the projected best overall contributor. We all said a combination of Buxton, Dozier, Barrios. We all had different answers. We already gave out the New York Yankees award for the team you'd most like to see the Twins play in October. The Siyoshi Nishioka award for biggest Twins position player flop. The Vance Worley Award for the biggest Twins pitcher flop. And the Carl Pavano Innings Eater Award. And I have five more for you, gentlemen. We'll start with Judd here. Let's go with the Glenn Perkins Award for most improved Twins player in 2018. I'm actually going to go with the guy that uh, that did not have a terrible year last year, but he probably didn't make the progress that people would have expected, especially against left-handed pitching. Max Kepler. I think Max Kepler is going to uh, to continue to be a solid player. I think that his um, that his uh, statistics against left-handed pitching is going to improve, and Max Kepler is my choice for most improved. All right, it's a rock-solid pick. I can't argue with it, but I'm going to go with a guy that has yet to put together a full season, who Judd picked as the carry him on my back award winner for this year. It's Byron Buxton. I'm going to get 162 games of the good Byron this year. Or yeah. at least like 150. Yeah, if he were to do... Yeah, well, he might crash into a fence. 140? Yeah. He might spend right. a few days on the disabled list. That's a good point, yeah. Better than 80. How about that? Yeah. So, like, he was already one of their best players last year, but, I, like, there's so much room to, to improve there. I'm going to go with someone who I think most people just wanted off the roster at one point last year and were done with completely and still remains an enigma. Ryan Presley will be my most improved Minnesota twin. He's got all the necessary prerequisite tools. Wow, okay. Fastball, movement, breaking ball. He's got everything. And he's actually put together a couple good seasons in the past, but uh, he was mostly unusable for about two or three months last year. I think he takes a step forward, and he doesn't go into the year as the eighth inning guy. I mean, you can kind of hide him in the fifth or sixth innings in those middle innings and let Addison Reed and Zach Duke and Fernando Rodney take the pressure late in the game, and then maybe he evolves into a guy that you use later in the game. So Ryan Presley will be my most improved twin. How about the Kevin Slowey Fragility Award for the first twin to hit the disabled list? David? I, I think it's, man, I want to pick Sano, but it's got to be. And you got to name the injury, too. It's got to be Eddie Rosario. This arm thing seems, it's scary. I, uh, I have a feeling after a few weeks it's not going to look good, and I don't know what you call the injury, shoulder, whatever, shoulder weakness, shoulder discomfort. But uh, I think Eddie hmm. is he like headed for surgery here? Like, what's the latest on that? I don't know. Just kind of mysterious. Just slowed him down, and he's he uh, supposedly he is he is not throwing it nearly as well as we're used to seeing. Yeah. And Molly can't decide if that's because he's trying to n- not uh, not go all out at this point or if there's just something truly wrong with the shoulder and arm. I'm going to pick the oldest guy on the team, the 41-year-old closer, Fernando Rodney, to spend some time early on the disabled list. Might take a while to, you know, knock the dust off those joints early in the season. Get that fastball up to 97-98. I'll go Rodney with, uh, I don't know, 
arm fatigue or something. Oblique. Oblique is a good 30-day Misfired respite. arrow. Right. <laughs> I knew that was coming. Right. Judd? Uh, okay, so you, so uh, Dave's going with Rosario. You're going with uh, Fernando Rodney. I'm going to keep it as close to home as possible. The guy coming off uh, the bounce-back season in 2017, but yet he's dealt with, with ills and ailments before. And what the hell? He'll strain a hamstring. Joe Maurer. Wow. Joe Maurer will be will be on the disabled list. End of April, beginning of May, legging out a double. He'll strain a hamstring. All right. Um, the Jason Marquis Award for free agent pitcher. Well, it could be free agent bust because I guess there's a there's a couple uh, like Lomo. So for any any position, any pitcher, position player, the Jason Marquis Award for free agent bust. I've got a weird feeling, and I don't know why, about Zach Duke. I don't m- mind the signing, but I've got a weird feeling that uh, th- that the expectation for him is not exactly going to come through. So just from a gut standpoint, I'm going to pick the free agent bus to be reliever Zach Duke. Okay. I mean, did you see his first month last year, the old man at the back end of the bullpen? That was a good one, too. I think that seems like the most obvious choice. So if you're going to take Duke, I'll take Fernando. So I, I'm aligning with Dave on this one, and I actually have his first month numbers in front of me, oh. Fernando Rodney. Now oh, he wound hide up the children, please. He wound up with 39 saves and a bunch of strikeouts, and he and he put together a two month stretch where he didn't give up a run. But this was his first. This was April last year for Fernando Rodney. Ten innings, 15 runs allowed, 14 earned, 16 hits, seven walks. He so. He got that's a it. two. That's a whip of like two thirty, uh-huh. an ERA of twelve sixty, and opposing hitters. <laughs> oh my god! Opposing hitters hit three sixty four with a four fifty three on base percentage and slugged over six hundred against him. <laughs> oh. He managed. Oh, he kept pitching. Ooh. Yeah, so we'll go with that guy. <laughs> he got. He got through it. He battled his tail off. Yeah, pitched the rest of the season. Okay. Yeah. Come on, you guys. Jason Marquis, there was a there was an outing, I think it was in Milwaukee, where he gave up like nine runs in the first inning. And you thought Terry Ryan was going to be the guy that walked out to take him. Instead of Guardy <laughs> coming out with his hand out, it would be just Terry Ryan in a suit or a frayed He golf went to shirt. the Padres and pitched very well, all right? Which is hilarious because in a huge ballpark, he was There is fantastic. no fence there. It's just like it's like a little league field where the ball just rolls forever. Uh, all right, two more preseason awards here to give out. The Matt Caps Award. Well, let's do that one last. Let's stay on the let's stay on bullpen here. Uh, Senior Smoke Award for bullpen ace. Who will win that? Uh, I think this one is very simple. Addison Reed. And I, I think that if things if things go according to plan, he he probably won't, won't lead the team in saves certainly. But I think he's going to be the guy who gets brought in in, in the pressure situations to be the fireman I think uh, going away this proves to be a really good signing and Addison Reed will be the senior smoke bullpen ace award I 100% agree with you on this one Judd I mean look at the spring training numbers a (laughs) 1.69 ERA seven strikeouts and 10 and two thirds and that's while he's working on things you know trying to get the feel of his pitches 0.84 whip yep oh give me Addison Reed all day long such a great spring performance uh (laughs) My guy for bullpen ace didn't have quite as good of a spring. In fact, I think he had a seven point, was it three six or six three ERA in spring? Three six. Trevor Hildenberger. Oh, you, didn't, you didn't listen to me, did you? 
They're no, gonna figure I'm him sorry. out. They're gonna figure him out. Must have faded He's out. He's gonna have to adjust to what they've adjusted to, and now it's gonna be it's gonna yep. be tough for him. Yep, you might be right. It's possible, but uh, I, I'm gonna go with Trevor Hildenberger to be the Twins' best to reliever. Play the Yankees in, in the playoffs and that one, huh? This man is this man is baseball suicide. Is what this is? <laughs> it's okay. Make fun of the baseball whisper all you want. Baseball it's okay. whisper. Um, <laughs> yeah, that's fine. And our last award here, <laughs> the Matt Caps Award for the player the Twins will most likely trade for by mm-hmm. July 31st. I think this is Dave. Dave, lead us off. Well, there's a lot of names. There's a lot of teams you go around. I look for a team that is most likely to be struggling in very much sell mode. That took me to San Diego. Ooh. That took me to the bullpen because it's always nice to trade for an extra bullpen arm to help you, especially if you're looking at a playoff run. That's is it Brad Hand? One of the easiest spots <laughs> to go and uh, bolster. It is Minnesota's own Brad Hand. That is oh, who the no. Twins will pick up. Strikeout artist. Yeah. Cause terrible Deadline. puns from Dave. If they trade for Brad Hand, God help us with your puns. Oh, come on. All hands on deck. You know, looks like they might need a hand getting some outs late in the game. I need a reliever to come in here. Ah, show of hands. Who's available? <laughs> I am. I'm sorry. Are, are you done? I don't want to step on you. Creativity. The, the problem. The, the, <laughs> if he does a great job, help me. Help me for not saying it. Judd, you know the problem with the Twins bullpen right now? It's hands free. <laughs> oh, sweet Lord. Having him, though, would be really handy. <laughs> Tell me when you guys are done, and I'll throw out. Go my... ahead. Who would they trade for? Uh, I am going. I'm going to stick with the splash move. I'm going to stick with the trade deadline move with a struggling Tampa Rays team, but they pay the price for Chris Archer. Ooh, I gotta hand it to you. That's a great call. <laughs> Show over yet? <laughs> Today, Royce is right. Four hours. All right. What about this one? This is a this is a buy low candidate because I think he's had some injury issues. But he has one more year left on his contract. It's $20 million, but the Rangers are kind of on the fence. Might not contend. Cole Hamels, 34-year-old Cole Hamels. I think the Twins, if he has a good first half of the season, it'd be, and you wouldn't have to give up your top prospects to get a Cole Hamels to help you down the stretch. Um, and like Chris Archer would be amazing, but you're going to have to give up probably one everyday player and then like two or three top prospects. So Cole Hamels. Cole Hamels, Brad Hand, and Chris Archer are uh... no nothing, Judd. No, I was waiting for Dave. I love how you just like stop doing the show sometimes. I didn't want to. I didn't want to step. I didn't want to step. I didn't want to step on Dave talking about Brad Hand. <laughs> That'd be cool, man. I'd like to, to see that. Nothing again. insincere <laughs> about that. I was allowing Dave a space to uh, to, to explore the space. I should. You say. can find Matthew Collar on fifteen hundred ESPN.com, the Purple Podcast, and also now Saturday Sports Talk. Yes, you 10 guys, to uh, noon with uh, with me. Lots of fun, Matthew. Lots of fun. <laughs> Insincere Judd strikes again. <laughs> Let me give you a hand. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I know. Okay. Mackie and Judd now continue. You're listening to The Wreck. Yeah. <laughs> That's a perfect name for us. We could just switch it right now. On 1500 ESPN. 
This portion of Mackie and Judd is sponsored by Catholic United Financial. Another reminder, you can join 1500 ESPN and the beer shows. Chris Reavers for the 2018 Minnesota Brewers Ball. Saturday, the 7th of April at the International Market Square Building, Minneapolis. Enjoy samples from more than 30 breweries, distilleries, and wineries, all while raising money. For the Cystic Fibrosis Foundation, the evening will also include some good food, as well as the silent and live auctions, general admission, and VIP tickets on sale now. All the details can be found at 1500ASPN.com. Keyword events. Breaking gopher hockey news, gentlemen. Mackie and Judd sources informing us Bob Motzko is going to be named the head coach of the University of Minnesota men's hockey team interesting leaving uh, St. Cloud State uh, Gopher Puck Live also tweeting out that a few sources say that Motsko is going to be the uh, next head coach and the players to be told at a 1 p.m. meeting so Bob Motsko not surprising uh, but a, a pretty quick resolution to a situation that developed what last Tuesday when yeah. Lucia stepped down and then Motsko's uh, team uh, played in the NCAA tournament got bounced in their first game and he will be the next Gopher hockey coach <laughs> That's nice. You know, you got to go to the uh, the in-state powerhouse and you know steal from their blueprint. That would be St. Cloud State. Yeah, days and uh, yeah, which is sad. And so Matsko, uh, he was an assistant coach on the two teams that won national titles with Don in the early two thousands. Uh, if I'm not mistaken, he played his college hockey at St. Cloud. He was an assistant under Herbie, and he had been uh, the Huskies coach for quite some time. So he will be leaving there, though, and my guess is he's going to be getting north of $700,000 a year to do so from the Gophers. So the Huskies, here's the, the the recent resume for Matsko. He's been to the NCAA tournament 2007, 8, 10, 13, 14, 15, 16, missed it in 17 uh, back again in 2018, one Frozen Four appearance in 2013. So wh- how do you think uh, you're the closest Gopher hockey follower? You used to host the Don Lucia show for a number of years on the station. What do you think are the biggest changes Bob Motzko brings to the program? Do you think he'll recruit differently? Like, What, what, what are we going to see, ideally, if Bob Motzko does what he's capable of doing here in the next two to five years or something? Uh, I think what what you'll see is, and I think the most important thing that th- that this program needs, because I don't I don't necessarily think the recruiting is going to be drastically different, uh, but I do think that there will be what what this program needs, and this is why uh, spending 19 years at a program is probably just too long, is a fresh dose of enthusiasm. Don did for a long time a very good job. But you know what? Twenty years is a really long time, and and the thing that that Bob's going to have to do that didn't have to be done when, when he was an assistant with Don previously too mm-hmm. is is the most important thing. You need to. This is still a really good job, and it's still a very good program. But go for hockey needs to be sold now, and that was it, that wasn't the case for how long? Years and years and years. Yeah, it's you, actually amazing to think you, about that. But you yeah. basically you basically said, "Here's our schedule," and then the seats sold. And and there there was recruiting that had to be done. I get that, but you didn't have to sell the public. And for the most part, there was a very long time because the program was so dominant that you could go to recruits and say, "Yeah, we want you." And the recruit would say, "Awesome, I'm there." That's changed. Mm-hmm. So so I think the most important thing that he's going to bring is is enthusiasm 
and the realization that gopher hockey now does not necessarily come close to, to selling itself, which it did for a long time. I think it's also worth noting that we're, we're talking about three different regular season conference championships, one at the end of the WCHA run in 2012-13 when St. Cloud State went to the Frozen Four. Uh, they got beat by Quinnipiac that year. And then he won the NCHC in 2013-14 and again last year. And those are like the end of the WCHA when the Gophers were still in that conference. And and then it kind of molded into partially the NCHC, which started five years ago. But that's a tough conference, right? I mean, that's a that's very that's, good. Yes. That's a full eight-team conference. It's a very good conference. We're talking yes. North Dakota, Denver, uh, Colorado College. So there's UMD. Mm-hmm. So there's some schools in that. It's not Those aren't like... You know, hollow conference championship. So he's clearly onto something at St. Cloud State the last several years. What I wonder, so he played there, right? Back in the day. He uh, played yes. at St. Cloud State. Yeah. And he's so not, St. Cloud State is not an alum of here, yes. Yeah. No, he was assistant coach with the Gophers. I would think it would it would take a pretty significant pay increase to get him to leave a place that he's had that much success at and a place that he played at yep. back in the day. Yep. Well he he was at St. Cloud State, he, he was north of three hundred thousand per season. Lucia was at something like six fifty, I think, here. So my guess is to get Matsko, you probably got to go to about seven fifty or eight. Yeah, which is fair. Yeah, that's fine. Uh, but there, there was the one thing that that there, there was a lot of talk about was would they be looking for a guy that played here, like Patolni played here? And as Louis told us last week, you can't care about that. Yeah, get you got to go get the best coach and if the guy played there and as an alum that's fantastic but but if you are so hung up on the fact that, that you have to go get a coach that played at your school that's a waste of time mm-hmm. go get the most qualified best person and pay that person. how would you describe watching st cloud state hockey under bob motzko like how would you you know when you when you watch the when you watch the uh, eagles play it's like Ferocious pass rush. Like, how would you I don't know describe the, the exact Cloud style. State hockey? I don't. I don't know. You know that. Watch enough. Yeah, I don't. Don't know if, if they played, if they played an exact style or not. But I mean, he was the name. He was the only name that I heard, Phil, where I said that would be pretty impressive. The, the thing about it is, when Woog left in '99 and Don came in, I think the names thrown out at the time were like Lucia, Dean, Blaze, mm-hmm. but. Lucia was an up-and-coming coach, and CC had been a complete mess, and Lucia did a great job there. And for the most part, people said that this program needs, at the time, a younger coach who can bring something, and Lucia was really clear-cut. I don't know that that there was a clear-cut choice this time around. Motzko was, I think, the top choice, but there was no name that absolutely excited you. But uh, my my guess is that this was their first call, and they yeah. said, if you want the job, here's the contract. The job is yours. So the Gophers are losing Casey Middlestat to uh, to the Buffalo Sabres, so he's gone. But is there enough talent on this team or incoming talent that you know of that where they, where they, be, they yes. could bounce back and maybe even be like there back in be. the mix to get to the Frozen Four Absolutely. next year? Absolutely, yes. Yeah, I, I'll, I'll be very curious to see, because I, I really do believe in, in – Doing the coaches show with Don, I really do believe that some of this got to be just sort of stagnant. Yeah, and so yes, I I would say from a recruiting standpoint and a talent standpoint that you should step in and be successful immediately. I I don't know if that means national championship successful, but yes, you should be successful right away. But that is going to be the expectation at some point here. Sure you know, if be. you're, and that's where Don Lucia. It was so hard on him because 
he jumps right in and wins back-to-back national championships. And as it turns out, how long does that how long does that keep you around? Well, 15 years. But and, the expectation is repeat, repeat, repeat. Right. So if you're Bob Motzko and you don't win a championship right away, how long are you going to get? And it kind of depends too if they're going to the if they're going at least to the they should be going to the NCAA tournament every year. I would agree. Or with that. nine times out of ten, maybe there's a fluke year where you, like this year. But they should not be. Yes. So it should be NCAA tournament every year. Yes. You should be competing at the top of the Big Ten conference on an annual basis, and you should be winning an NCAA tournament championship. I don't know. Once or twice every ten years. I was going to say. Is that unfair to expect? Or so. No, it's not. No, 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 no. But but. This this does come back to the fact that asking any coach to come into a place and stay 20 years is probably too long. Like, if he's here now 10 years and wins two titles, that's pretty good. Yeah, and you're just not going to—are you really going to have the same energy doing something, especially when you're, like, 60? And now Matsko's—what's Matsko here? He's, like, 50—he's getting close. He's between 55 well, and 62. As Don, as Don said, and he's right, the reality of hockey now is you are recruiting eighth graders. <laughs> that takes a special person to go to eighth grade bantam games. Yeah, but if that's part of the gig, right? And we're you know we're Lucia. You know, I agree with him. It wasn't ideal. The Big Ten thing was not ideal. But you need someone who can say this is the current circumstance. This is the reality. I got to make it work and embrace the entire thing. Not that he didn't try to embrace it, but it just. I mean, if you're him, no, but you have to sell it. Yeah, you've made a bunch of money. You've had you success. Have to sell that now. Yes. So uh, if you're just joining us, Bob Motzko, breaking news, Judd sources, and now multiple publications reporting as well. Um, Bob Motzko, the new coach of Gopher Men's Hockey. So, all right, we're back tomorrow, and we've got some more. We're going to make our Twins record predictions tomorrow, which are sure to be way off one way or the other. Division predictions too tomorrow? Uh, Division predictions and all kinds of other stuff. You can find all of our... Show content on the Mackie and Judd show page, 1500ESPN.com. Subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts or anywhere you would generally find podcasts. See you guys tomorrow. Venture X from Capital One is the travel card for people always asking, where next? You earn 10X miles on hotels and rental cars and 5X miles on flights booked through Capital One Travel and 2X miles on everything else you buy with Venture X. Plus, receive premium travel benefits like access to over 1,300 airport lounges. The Venture X card from Capital One. What's in your wallet? Terms apply. See CapitalOne.com for details.